Today's episode is episode 211. Today's episode is called Committed Writings. So today's episode is on a book by Albert Camus. It's a collection of some of his writings. There's three main stories. Well, they're not really stories. They're more, I suppose, underneath the subjects. They're more the subject of what he's, the theme of what he's writing about. So you've got Letters to a German Friend. You've got Reflections on the Guillotine. And the last one is Nobel Speeches. That's based on, I think, his speech he gave when he won the Nobel Prize. So there's a lot of there's a lot in this book. So and in this episode I'm just gonna talk about four main things this book got me talking thinking around. I'm just gonna talk about it. He raises some interesting thoughts and questions. Even especially around reflections on the guillotine. It's a very very taboo topic to tackle the question of capital punishment in society and I found it an interesting an interesting thing to read because part of Camus idea was that an artist shouldn't shy away from the challenging topics of the day in society so for me the writing he has around reflections on the guillotine and the part he actually played in it i think he was his stance was that he was against the guillotine capital punishment he didn't see he was seeing it as two wrongs don't make a right and he made some very good arguments in it about uh about just how society doesn't even truly believe in it at that time because it went from having executions in a public place to gradually hiding it, putting it more in a private place. So it was interesting the way he f- he framed that, that society didn't truly believe in it. If it did, it would have been public. It would have been made more public. So it was an interesting way he framed that and he just had some interesting points in general on that topic, something I wouldn't have had to thankfully think about too much. But from reading his story on this, uh, I could see he was a man who put a lot of thought into it. He had some experience with this too. And uh, yeah, I think that it shone true, I guess, his point around artists not showing away from the more dangerous topics in the society of the day so the first essay though was on letters to a german friend one of the key things that stood out to me was about intellectual pain and growth so i suppose when you think of world war ii when you think of france in world war ii you think of that the gate that there was a i guess the joke is that that france surrendered really easily and you know the term like surrender monkeys but in Camus' essay here, it got me to think a little bit about the philosophy of wartime. And it was in this line here where he says, so he's speaking to his German friend, and his German friend was 
also of a he was like a philosopher he was interested in philosophical thought i think they were both following nietzsche's thought but then they diverge at different points and he mentions a point here where and now you are fighting with the resources of blind anger with your mind on weapons and feats of arms rather than on ideas stubbornly confusing every issue and following your obsession we on the other hand started from the intelligence and its hesitations we were powerless against rat but now our detour is finished that got me to think about that just got me to think about the how easy it is to give in to blind rage and anger and to become subservient to ideologies it, there's not a lot of thought required there and there's not a lot of hesitation required there you're actively actually encouraged to not hesitate to actually act without thinking so that just got me to think a little bit about france's situation in the war because camus would have lived in france during the war and perhaps there were sections of the french population that were hesitant because of just the philosophy of of what what are we actually fighting for here so that that kind of that was something i hadn't really thought about before and when i do see the modern day where there's a tendency for people in power to spread ideologies get people wrapped up in mass hysteria that i can see how person who isn't inclined to want to get wrapped up in mass hysteria there'll be a certain hesitation there because they don't know fully where they stand on things because the situation is so complex and it's only through the unraveling of time i guess and with sticking with your intellectual endeavors that things start to become a little clearer so just taking that out of wartime and Think about it, I guess, in terms of if when you're a teenager in school and you have these certain pulls from other people trying to distract you from the intellectual path, uh, wanting to make you believe that it's, it's worthless, it's a waste of time, that it's better to fit in with people, be popular. That's more worthwhile than actually pursuing intellectual endeavors. That can be a struggle at the start. Because you're blinded to the people. But after a while with experience, you start to see more of these people here. Like, for example, in this situation, it's people focused. You could see their minds are focused more on weapons and arms than it is on ideas. Same thing in, in when you grow up in society that isn't even experiencing war. Over time, you'll start to see people's values just the way... They operate you'll see is our mind fixated on money or is it more fixated on ideas and you'll see that just in how they think about things like what are they willing to entertain will they do something for the sake of doing something without there being money involved there that they're the types of things that help you to i suppose see through the facades and that's the intellectual pain it's not it's not an easy place to get to but when you stick with it and you, I guess you focus on, you focus 
on having a sense of integrity in yourself because that's where there is power there is very little power in letting yourself get carried away with ideologies or fixating on the wrong things i think when you fixate more on ideas and when you focus more on having a sense of yourself then these other things will come about more naturally and there'll be more grit and determination to you that's actually real rather than something where you're more of a puppet than anything that's what that got me thinking about there and just some thoughts about down there is that like the intellect is a servant of the heart so when you betray the heart you also betray the intellect when the intellect isn't connected to the heart it distorts reality and clouds your judgment so that's another thing that i i feel and sense as well is that if i like i feel like the heart your heart is what will determine it will determine the direction of where your intellect is facing and if it's facing on the wrong things then the intellect can blind you like here for example when somebody's focused on arms and weapons they're not focused on humanity and human beings because if they were arms and weapons would be a last resort thing because you care for humanity and because your focus is on the arms and the weapons rather than the people i guess you you start to you miss what's in front of you and there's a certain amount i guess of anger and frustration and striving because at the end of the day just a weapon or money they are intangible objects or they're tangible objects sorry they can't love you back you don't get anything from them in terms of a feeling nature so i suppose when you're focused on them you're not focused so much on feeling and i suppose you just overlook humanity being human i guess that's that's the whole thing with war as well there is that it's you need to dehumanize people to dehumanize people it's when don't feel don't feel a connection to someone that's how you can dehumanize people so i don't know i just found that quite interesting to think about there and just reflecting that in my own life that like when my my heart's in the wrong place it my intellect can blind me i think my intellect can blind me even when my heart's in the right place i think that's the struggle that's the intellectual pain that it is what is peeling back layers of my own misperception on things misunderstandings on things and still being willing to stick with it i think that's where the intellectual pain and growth is there it's kind of it's heartbreaking as well like when you're you feel you thought your heart was in the right place and you're still getting lost um so that's the first point there then the next point i want to talk about is the paradoxical state of the modern artist so camus talks quite a bit about an artist being an artist and uh picked up quite a bit from him like uh he, he he expanded on things that i was kind of thinking about but i was nowhere near the level of being able to articulate the way the way he does it but there's a few points here a few things i want to talk about so he said what would art speak of in fact if it were to conform to what the majority of our society asks of it 
Art would merely be entertaining without substance. If artists were to blindly reject society and choose to isolate themselves in their dreams, they would express nothing but negativity. We would thus only have the works of entertainers or experts in the theory of form, which in both cases would result in art being cut off from the reality of life. So he summed up really well there the struggle that I often feel that I want to impact with what I create impact in a positive way as positive way as possible in people's lives and at the same time I don't want to dilute myself in the service of being popular not saying that I could even do that but that's that's that is the kind of conflict here like how particular how abstract you want to get or how simple how mainstream do you want to get I think I mentioned in one episode that like sometimes I felt like I was chasing book sales which I probably was to an extent but um I think it more more boiled down to the nuance here that Camus expressing that I don't want to feel like I I'm in an echo chamber cut off from society, not helping anyone and just having this blind faith that I am when in fact I'm not. That is a bit of a torment for me. That's that's how I can resonate with that there. They would express nothing but negativity. That's another thing that I I can kind of feel creeping up on me sometimes too when I feel like my things I do are having little to no impact. There's a certain negativity that can creep up on me and a certain pessimism that it's hard to explain because it's it's more of a feeling than anything it's not necessarily a thought process it's just a feeling I have in in me that's um, I guess a bit disappointed or a bit kind of confused and then I guess I look at other people then that I feel have less substance to them but are more popular and I kind of be wondering, am I being stubborn? Am I taking the wrong path here? What what what's the right balance here? I found it very difficult to find that balance between expressing something that's actually valuable to people and expressing something that people already can understand. That they understand it enough that that they're not completely lost when they talk when they hear you. It's a I don't know. I think it's a struggle and. It's a paradoxical state. On the one hand, you want to express something that's not being expressed in society. And on the other hand, you want parts of that society to accept that, to, to benefit to, to benefit from that. It's, it's a very tricky one. And uh, that's what Camus talks about a bit there. And I just wrote down a few thoughts myself when I was reading this. I said, is, is art for art's sake always a choice? How many people need to appreciate your art for it to no longer be an act of art for art's sake? That's the other thing. I don't want to, I, I don't want to fall into, well, not fall into, but I don't want to create art for the sake of creating art. Because that just feels like, I suppose, without the impact your art has on a section of society, 
kind of wonder like what is the point of it am i just engaging myself in my own fantasy land that's not benefiting anyone and i'm blinded to that that's the sort of thing that i sometimes struggle with i don't want to be someone who creates art for art's sake but in saying all this i think if your heart is in the right place and you end up failing anyway I don't think I would end up blaming or hating myself. It's it's only if my if my intention, my heart was not in the right place to begin with. That's where I would have regret, and that's where I would beat myself up more at the end of it. But if I'm genuinely trying to find the right path here, the right balance here, and it ends up that I don't strike a card in the way that I would have liked to. Then while that is disappointing, I can I can live with that. And so next few questions I ask here is what if there are traumas you haven't quite managed to heal from, no matter how hard you try? That plays into the idea that I think you have to process your trauma to really create something that's art, that's just like beneficial. And then I said, is that art for art's sake? If you're creating something yet you haven't healed from your traumas and you're not creating something that could be as impactful? Or is art for art's sake turning a blind eye to the things you know to be true that don't conform with the current world you live in? So that's a step there now more towards if I was to create art with a more pretentious nature to it in, in the sense that I'm creating art for it to be accepted by a certain group of people, maybe these pretentious artists, then I think for me that is a cop-out because it's turning a blind eye to maybe the more difficult, challenging things in my world that where the real art is and creating art that I think will, that I try and increase the likelihood that it'll be accepted by a certain group of people like that for me is a cop out. So we're getting more at where I would actually feel disappointed in myself if it was art for art's sake. It's amazing too, like how you can, if you read something by someone and then you start asking your own questions, you start reflecting on it in your own life. You're like, where do I sit with that? It's becoming more clear to me where I actually sit with that. If I hadn't questioned some of this stuff, it's, it's still be very hazy to me. It's It still is hazy, but it's, it's slightly less hazy now that I'm going through this. And is art for art's sake simply when you create art without your heart? Again, that can be art for art's sake. When you don't put your heart and soul into it, there's no vulnerability there. So is that really art? Um, for me personally, it, it, it's not really, but that's my personal opinion. And then, the next point slightly leads into the last point. Enigmatic freedom of creation among a world of ideologues. The question to everyone, or the, so the question to everyone who cannot live without art and all it signifies is simply to know, given the strict control of countless ide ideologies, so many cults, such solitude, how the enigmatic freedom of creation remains possible. And there's some of my thoughts here. 
How is it possible to live in a world where ideologies have brainwashed us? How is it possible to express our individuality when it is so quickly covered over with judgment? How can we create something that is supposed to unite and connect in our shared sense of humanity when it also isolates and distances us from the artificial environment we inhabit? So the last part again is a question born out of my struggle that I would like to create something that there's a sense of uniting people but I found that to create what I create has involved isolation it's involved me spending more time on my own in solitude so it's a bit of a paradox here that something that I guess what I'm trying to do is to express things that can connect with someone so that they don't feel as alone which leads to that sense of unity but in order so far for me in order to do that if it is happening which I'm not even sure (laughs) I'm not even quite sure a lot of the time it has involved me spending more time in solitude which hasn't been a bad thing I've grown to like my own company and grown to become more comfortable with myself so it hasn't been a bad thing at all I think that's one regret that I would have late in life if if I'd spent my time around people all the time and I never spent the time getting comfortable with myself. I was watching a movie last night and, and it was based on uh, the woman, she, she got cancer and she was in a relationship her whole life. She'd met her partner at a very young age. I think she was in her 30s then. She got cancer. And one of the group, one of the things she was thinking about was that she'd never spent much time by herself. She doesn't. She didn't know what it was to spend time by herself. So that can be a potential regret as well. So by doing this work, it's, it's forced me to do more of that. So that's one regret less that I will have. I'm sure I'll have other regrets, but that's one less regret. And, uh, and in the last part I want to mention here, the last point I want to talk about is the God delusion. So I'll just mention what Camus has, has written here. So he's saying... But due to their rejection of everything, including the traditions of their own art, contemporary artists give themselves the illusion of creating their own rules. So they end up believing they are God. At the same time, they believe they can create their own reality. However, if distanced from their own society, they will only create formal or abstract works, works that might be poignant as experiences, but lack the fecundity that is characteristic of true art, whose mission is to unite. So once again, I can relate to that. I'm not a contemporary artist, but I can relate to I can relate to having the sense that I'm making my own rules. I suppose when you're questioning the nature of thought, you're also acquiring that sense that the world is more up for grabs than you initially thought, and it can come with this sense of your starting to create the rules of your life as things become more nuanced you're i suppose for me personally it's been a letting go of rigid rules more so than creating new rules i've grown to realize that just rigid rules in any form is isn't something that i particularly like i have grown to like following the nuance and the nuance has found more in my felt experience of a situation but that's what I can relate to there is um, 
creating abstract works in isolation. And yeah, it's it's like is that art then? If it's if it's in isolation, does art require other people to be impacted by it? When I think of great artists, they impact people. So can you create art that doesn't impact other people? That's a question to think about. And then some of the questions I wrote down here again is how to find a balance between tradition and individual thought. That's something I've grown to gradually appreciate a bit more, the tradition. I think when you start expressing your own individuality a bit more, sometimes you can throw the baby out with the bathwater and forget about tradition and not so much buy into it. Maybe there's a period where maybe you can spend so long in, in an education system that gets you to take on things unquestioningly in terms of traditions and the way groups think that you go through a period where, well, I maybe I went through a period where went more on the other end of the spectrum where it became more about individuality and critical thinking and thinking for yourself, which I still value, but I think there's probably a balancing act where if I look at computer programming, you won't find a computer programmer who's good at his job, who reinvents the wheel all the time. He realizes that people have come before him. They've done a lot of stuff that he can, he or she, it would take too much time and effort to try and recreate it. And it'd be a waste of time because it wouldn't even be as near as good as the people who've originally created it. That programmers realize that to stand on the shoulders of giants, use other people's things, traditions. It's like, there's no point in always reinventing the wheel. So that's something to balance there. And then how to find a sense of belonging when allergic to generic thought that tries to bind us together in a brutish way. I don't know how I even came up with that sentence. I don't know what I was reading, but yeah, it's like how... That's that's, a, that's another thing kind of thing that I've I felt that the more I felt more like an individual, it's also accompanied with a sense of resentment for groupthink and brainwashing and ideologies and mindlessness. A certain amount of resentment there that to work through. I think you need to work through that if you're going if your aim is to unite people, you can't hate people. So I think it's I suppose you're you're finding your own individuality. And I suppose you're breaking away from groups, but then you're also, I guess, uniting people, which will form some sort of group again. But I guess the aim is to unite people, maybe if it's possible to unite people in their sense of individuality, creating a space where it feels safe to express individuality, that would be a group setting but it'd be made up of different individuals who respect respect that. That's a very tricky thing because I think in order for that to happen right, people need to be at a good place where they're, they're really focused on self-acceptance rather than validation. I think when you've got people who are still looking for validation, it can just lead to like very more kind of toxic conversations, like just doesn't feel that safe or something. So um, yeah, there are all things to think about. It's a 
good book. Albert Camus has been one of the writers that has emerged for me this year that I've been drawn to. Recommend reading his work. Hope you got something from this. Wanted to talk about it. He's one the one person as well that's described the experience of an artist that I haven't I haven't really seen someone talk about art and being an artist like that before. And that's what the last thing I wanted to just mention is that I don't know why the term artist has got such a charge today. Like I don't know why why there's such kind of baggage around it. I don't know, is it is it that is it that today to say you're an artist means that you're wrapping your identity up in that word? Because it used to feel charged for me when I would express being an artist with those types of ideas in my head. But now when I talk about being an artist and art, it's more about self-expression. It's self-expression. So it's not for me, it's not a big deal anymore, that terminology. And I don't find it like pretentious or anything. For me, it's very normal. Like when you say that, I suppose it's because I don't, I, I don't know. I suppose it just comes up naturally in podcasts. And I just want, it's just a, a way of expressing something. But like if you're listening in, maybe you've same kind of baggage around this word. And uh, I don't think there necessarily needs to be that much baggage. Like I think you can talk about art and being an artist without thinking of yourself as Leonardo da Vinci or some fam famous even musician or I think you can use the word without that kind of association in your own mind with these people I think that's I guess where the baggage comes in when you if you're saying these words and you, it's building up a certain self-image you have that is artificial that feels like it's an artificial thing you're building up that's I I might do an episode on that at some stage like, I don't know like, I don't know why it has to have so much baggage Yeah, it's an interesting one to think about. Why is why does the word art and why is being an artist such a a big deal? Well, I guess maybe it's because other people, maybe it's also that other people are what are determine whether you're an artist or not in the same way that you're not going to say you're a kind person without getting that feedback from people that you're a kind person. Maybe that's kind of where the baggage is too. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I thought Camus talked about it quite, quite, uh, quite interestingly as well. I haven't seen someone talk about it with that kind of insight in before. So that's it. That's today's episode. Thanks again for listening and I will speak to you on the next episode.